Good morning, Church on the Rock. All right, all right. Uh, if uh, you are visiting with us here, you'll notice we're a little bit relaxed, which is which, so you can just feel relaxed. You can go, all right, I'm, I'm okay. I'm in a gym, all right? There, there's no, yeah, there's no problem here. Uh, uh, we do series, a uh, uh, preaching series. So we take a topic and we try and dig deep into that topic, pulling back layers and layers. So I want you to come away come away actually knowing things, but also experiencing things. Uh, here, here's the interesting thing. I, I heard a pastor friend of mine said, say, you know what? Uh, somebody said, well, pastor, you're here to feed us. And he said, no, I'm not. I'm not. You only feed little babies. I'm here to help you feed yourself. And so I'm actually here to help equip you so you can walk with a personal living God yourself. So it's not coming to church that, that makes you walk with God. It's you and him through the, every single day. And we come together to be strengthened, encouraged, reminded, and to be helped along in how we can walk with our living God. So I'm going to pray that God would open up his word to us and that we'd be encouraged and strengthened through it. So let's pray. I love you, Father. You are so good to me. Wow. And you're so good to your children. And you so desire your family to grow and expand. You want to show that good fatherly love to more and more people. Lord, I pray that you'll take uh, today's message and particularly uh, the words of the Bible and get them into our hearts, help them to, to, to strengthen us truly, to remind us what you are about. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, every so often, I just, I, I'm, a, I'm a, more of an introvert, so I just like to observe people around me. And I remember sitting at, uh, uh, in the park once, I saw this little kid learning to ride a bike. And they didn't have the, the training wheels on. And I could tell it was already going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, you know, and, and, and one of the parents was, you know, running beside. And, and the kid had one hand uh, and like hitting the parent going, let me do it on my own. <laughs> like, oh, I just, I thought this is going to be awesome because this is not going to go well. Really not going to go well. And so he let go and boom, you know. Anyway, uh, it, it just forced an interesting question in my mind. How do you learn how to ride a bike, right? If you read some manuals, can you learn how to ride a bike with a manual? No, you can't. Can you, can you learn to ride a bike by observing others? No, you think it looks so easy. But how do you learn to ride a bike? By doing it, right? Just doing it. Interesting. For those who have walked closely with God, those who uh, have walked for years with God, you know how they tell you how we learn how to pray? <laughs> Coincidentally, you learn how to pray by doing it. <laughs> you just learn how to pray by doing it. You can read books on it. You can actually listen to sermons on it. But until you do it, you're not going to learn how to pray. So every one of these messages on prayer, we're, we're doing a series on prayer. We're gonna stop a little bit at the end and give you an opportunity to pray. Why? Because I want you to learn by actually doing it. Richard Foster, who I love, he's a, he's a writer, a very much a mystic and wa has walked with God for many years. He says, by praying, we learn to pray. 
Uh, Philip Yancey, uh, an author that has interviewed many, many people on prayer, says, we learn to pray by praying. And a unique quote by Mother Teresa, how do we learn to pray by praying? So you sort of get a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of, you know, a, a way that happens that we learn to do this. So thank you to those Thank you to those who experiment with this. Our first sermon, we talked about when we talk to God, it's a relationship. So you just say, I, I, I love you. Just, you know, when you start off, you know, our father, how do you do that? Do you have to cry? No, you just, God, I love you. And uh, I, I don't want to look, look at her, but there's somebody, uh, somebody here that's in a discipleship group that says, listen, I've been doing that, Dave. And I won't look, look at her at all, all right? I don't want to embarrass her. But she's been doing this, and it's awesome. Thank you for that encouragement to say, yes, you know what? I just don't listen to sermon. I have been saying, God, I just love you. And it opens up that relational aspect of our time in prayer. And the first of the series, I said, what would it have been like to be with Jesus? It would have been fascinating, his wisdom, just to see the healing. But interesting, as we looked down through the scriptures, we found out that Jesus would be off to pray all the time. Sometimes he would take you for hours. He would pray all night. Like, what do you talk about all night? I'm not sure if I can talk to a person all night. A prayer, that would be, that would be intense. But somehow Jesus was able to do this. In Luke 5, 16, it says, But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. It was important to him. He was enjoying something that we tend to miss. And at the end of the first sermon, this is what we discovered, that Jesus enjoyed the presence of his Father and prayed heaven down to people. Last week, we just got uh, honest and said, our brains are messed up. If you think your brain is messed up, you are not alone, all right? Can I, I know we don't do this at Church on the Rock, but can I have an amen from somebody? All right, okay, a lot of you are messed up. All right, so, like, we've, I don't know why. It's, it's, it's the COVID. We thought we'd get out of COVID and we'd be stronger, but we just go, man, I could barely even, you know, open a door, like, let alone get out of bed. I, uh, I saw a great, uh, a great uh, real uh, video of this guy talking to his brain. What are we going to do today? What are we going to do? And, and the brain says, get up out of bed. And the guy says, no, that's going to take effort. And he just goes away. Anyway, the idea is just sometimes to be, honest, we have a messed up brain and we're just feel the pressure of the world around us. So what do we do with that? What do we do? We look to Jesus during the prayer of his most messy time, his most stretched time in the Garden of Gethsemane. And we called it messy prayer. And basically what Jesus did, he prayed his feeling. I am, am stretched to the point of death. He was honestly just praying his feelings. Then he says, I don't want to do this. He just prayed his desires, no matter how messy they were. But then at the end, he just trusted the Father. God, I trust in you for this. I trust you to help me. That was last week. All right, so this week, we're going to tackle a reason. Well, I'm going to tackle a reason why many people are tempted not to pray not to pray. And at the end, at the end here of the message, I'm going to give you some prayers that God will always answer. Or at least I, I believe most of the time he will answer these ones with a yes. So hold on, hold on. I'll give you those at the end. At our staff meetings at church, we pray. We pray for each other. We pray for you. You know those, those connection cards that you get? If you, if you take one and write down a prayer request, we pray for you. 
And it's interesting the number of prayer requests that are answered. It's just, it's just fascinating. This last week was actually just kind of, wow, that's kind of neat. One, one person had a mom that, uh, that was just in failing health, and she needed a liver transplant, which is a big deal. And so we just prayed, God, could you do something with that? And they, they went in back in to, to, to look, and they said, I, hold on, you're a lot better. <laughs> you know, I guess you don't need that anymore. And we're going, what? That's amazing. And we praise God for that. We had somebody else that had a roommate that has kidney stones. And uh, from what I hear, kidney stones are very painful. They're, there's something uh, akin to giving birth, I hear. Uh, but I, I, you know, I don't know any of those things. So I just hear there's a lot of pain. And this poor young lady had passed many kidney stones. And she had a whopper. And so they went in and took the ultrasound to see, you know, yeah, it's there. That's why you're in so much pain. And so that was brought to our staff. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And lo and behold, next week, what happens? We found out the roommate came back and said, yeah, without pain. It just, I, I, I passed the thing. I, it, was, it was amazing without pain. We go, woohoo, yay, God. There's someone else that had a relative that didn't believe in God. And, and this little girl would, would say, I don't believe in God and just wrecked the heart of, of, of our staff member. What, what do we do? We need to pray. And so we prayed and prayed. Next week, comes back and, and the little, little girl asks the staff member, tell me about Jesus. And tell me about Jesus. And guess what? I got a Christian friend. And we go, what? That just happened. I, the more you pray, the more you see these beautiful little yeses that God did. In fact, there are scientific studies of prayer for the sick. There is, uh, there's so many of them, I'm not going to list them all. Uh, I read one about blood infections in the year 2000. It was double-blind, parallel group, randomized, controlled trial of retroactive intervention. Isn't that awesome? I just wanted to sound smart to say that. And it was not a small study, 3,393 people. And so what they did, basically, they said people with blood infections, they divide them randomly into two groups. One were prayed for by strangers that didn't know them, were a part of, never part of the country, and other people were not prayed for, which is kind of nasty. Anyway, so, so they, they, they divide these up and said, is there really anything? This is a large group, over 3,000 people. These people don't even know them. They can't contact them. They just prayed for them by name. And it was interesting at the end of the study. They said it was highly significant, the, the, the difference about the, the, the length of stay in hospital. It was highly significant of the mortality rate. Fewer, fewer people died. It wasn't just significant if you take stats. It's highly significant the number of people. And so it, it, it's interesting that prayer is a thing. And I'm not sure if this is apocryphal or not, but I, I read this quote. When a doctoral student at Princeton asked, what is there left in the world for original dissertation research? All right. Albert Einstein replied, find out about prayer. Somebody must find out about prayer. It just is a real thing. Now, you think we should all be happy about it. We should all fall at the feet of Jesus. But why don't we, right? Why? Why? I can tell you why. I can tell you why many of you are not going woohoo at those prayer requests answered. You know why? Because you know of a dozen prayers that you prayed and you did not get a yes answer, right? And, and if you have enough of those in, logged in your, your life, 
you start to, to look at the answers to prayer that were yeses as oh, they must have been coincidental. She got lucky with that kidney stone. The liver, I guess, you know, things heal, right? It was luck. Why is that? Isn't that interesting? Isn't it interesting that we can have so many yeses from God, but with some no's, it's so easy for us to unplug. You know what? This is not just with us in modern times. It was even in biblical times. If you read the Psalms, which are where, if you read the Psalms, they're just prayers. They're just prayers put to song. And so you get a lot of honesty in the book of Psalms. For instance, uh, Psalm 13, 1, it says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? Isn't that great? Come to God and you'll feel forgotten forever. <laughs> you, you feel that, that feeling like I prayed and, what, and, and you didn't come through. So let's address this. Let's not shy away from it. Let's look at it full in the face. And let's try and find out how, how can we still have the faith to pray if there are some times we pray and ask God and it seems like he says no or as, as, uh, as some of us are pushed, is there even a God? Was that even just coincidence, the ones that did work? Uh, as a pastor, I, I hear from a lot of you, which I, I'm grateful for. I pray for a lot of you. But I've noticed in general, there's lots of ways that, that you feel that prayers aren't answered. But there's two big ones. Two big ones. There's a lot of other ones, but there's two big ones. So I'm going to tackle both of those. Number one, number one, seeing God change people. Isn't that frustrating? Like, can you just change them, open up their brain, and just push the right button and say, no, stop dating him. Come on, right? He's not good for you. Right? All right, open up the brain, and you really need a job. Just come, oh, that's the parent's prayer, all right? Okay, it's parents, okay, I got that, okay. Can you just like, oh my goodness, if they could just be free from drugs, God, could you just like rewire their brain so they're free from drugs? Can you just like change them somehow? And the closer we are with people, the more it just aches our heart. Aches our heart. I have one young man that texts me often, sometimes at two o'clock in the morning. And he says, Dave, I prayed and God hasn't answered it yet. I text it back. Does this involve God changing somebody? Yes. Uh, <laughs> that's gonna take a while. It's interesting. It says, uh, Richard Foster again says this, we, when we begin praying for others, we soon discover that it's easy to become discouraged at the results which seem frustratingly slow, amen, and uneven, amen, uneven. We enter the strange mix of divine influence and human autonomy. We wish we could open up their brains, but no, they have choice. And for some reason, God has designed the world to honor people's choice. For instance, in John 7, 17, this is Jesus speaking. He says, anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. In other words, do you want to know if this works? Then choose to walk in my teachings. 
well, what if I don't choose to walk in my teaching? Then you're going to find out your life doesn't work. And so God allows us to choose. No manipulation, no control, perfect freedom. That is God's way. Well, great. Thanks, Dave. It's a real encourager. <laughs> Why bother praying then, right? Why bother praying that God would change someone? And I know some of you online, I, I know one person online, and, and you watch all the time, and I know the people that are close to you, and it aches your heart. And I know you don't want to give up. Don't give up. It's interesting. As I look at the prayers of the Bible, I hear a great prayer by a great prayer. The Apostle Paul prays this in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. He says this, I pray, so this is a prayer, that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened. Isn't that a great prayer? Oh God, I know you can't force them, but open their eyes and help them to see what they're doing is wrong. Open their eyes, God, to see that, that they could, there's another way. God, bring other Christians or, or alive or wise people around them. Give them examples. Oh God, open their eyes to who you are. Help them to see a sunset. And as that beauty just spews across the sky, help them that wanting to say thank you to somebody, help it to be directed to you, the author of all beauty. Oh God, please open the eyes of their heart. Now that's a prayer. That's a prayer we can get behind. That is like, change them. That's good. I get it. But God, help them to see. Give them another opportunity and another opportunity. Oh God, do this. I pray for some of you and I pray and that's my prayers. I just say, God, just keep on doing this. Just keep on doing this. I have prayed some of you into the kingdom. <laughs> oh, and I love you, but you are stubborn. Man. <laughs> this is why if you hang around Christians, we have Christianese, like have a weird way of saying things. We talk about prayer warriors. <laughs> no, we're, we're not violent in that way. But sometimes... Because there's free choice, it takes a battle. Hmm. During uh, the Exodus wanderings, the children of, of Israel were getting close to the promised land. They were untested militarily. They were just one big family. And this group called the Amalekites just came and dogged them and continued to kill their people, kill their people as they're walking through, unprotected, unprotected. And finally, Moses said, enough. And he says, God, can I take them on? And God says, go ahead, protect my people. And so what does he do? He, he sends Joshua out to fight. And then Moses goes and prays. And if you know this, he lifts his hands up to God. God, do something. And as he's praying, God helps these untested, unmilitaristic kind of people defend themselves. And then he drops his hands, and they, they don't do well. He goes, oh, oh. And then he notices this battle goes on for a long time. He goes, oh, oh, oh. Have you ever tried to put up drywall on the ceiling? That was what Moses was doing. 
Exodus 17, verses 11 to 12 says this, as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. <laughs> when Moses' hands grew tired, he took a stone and put them under him. And he sat on it. That awesome. Creativity. We're, we're going to make this one work. All right. I'm going to keep on. I'm going to set my alarm on my phone. I'm going to keep on praying this one through. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steadily until sunset. For some of us, we will become prayer warriors for those that we love. I can't look in some of your eyes and I'm going to start crying for you. I know it's hard you love those people and wish you could open up their brains. But God allows them to choose. God allows everyone to choose. I remember my mentor Howard Hendricks, he said he prayed for his father to become a Christian until he got tired of it. And then he said he prayed for 40 years. Oh, my goodness. I could not imagine praying for 40 years. He said his dad was retired and became a bus driver. <laughs> and he was an old military man, and, and there's a, a, a young, young officer aboard the bus. And he looked at the bus driver and says, you look like Howard Hendricks. The guy says, I'm his dad. He says, can I take you for lunch? He said, certainly. He took him for lunch and explained how Jesus has saved him and changed his life. And his father surrendered his life to Jesus after 40 years. Oh, my goodness. I hope no one else has to do that here. Let, let's shorten that up a little bit. But I, I think persevering prayers... Uh, there's a, a podcast you have to listen to it called Side B, Side B Stories. There, there's these atheists who became, become Christians. And, and always I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for it. The, one of the latest ones. Yeah, I grew up in Vancouver. Yeah, I, I was uh, atheist parents. Nobody. And, and you know, I, I'm thinking, okay, who? Who was it? And then, then, then he says this. I had a grandparent who was a believer. Ha, 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 ha. That's it. You know what's been going on? That grandparents been just like pummeling that kid until he became a Christian. I just read about this uh, holy lady who's confined in bed. She, she can't get up. She has palliative care. She has a photo album of 200 people. And she says, I'm doing the hard work of praying for people. Why doesn't God answer some prayers? Because we're asking him to change people. And he only does this through loving pressure. And that's hard. Why else is it difficult to have some prayers not answered? And we know it. And you know, you could tell me, couldn't you? Asking God to heal life-threatening sickness. We don't have a problem if God doesn't take away a headache. That's good. But when we have somebody that's close to us in life-threatening uh, circumstances, we pray with all earnestness, begging God. We get prayer chains going. I get, I get, like, you ask the prayer, the pastor, because, like, he's got to be more holy than you. Maybe he'll get something done, right? If we can just get everyone to save this person's life. Can I tell you, I can point to many of those people who have been healed. It's amazing. 
I can point to an equal amount of people who are not. Sometimes God removes cancers, clears out arteries, regrows nerves, and sometimes he does not. What do you do with that one, Pastor Dave? <laughs> I almost wish it was one way or the other, don't you? I wish he'd just heal everybody or just say, okay, I'm not in the healing business. You're stuck. But for some reason, he decides to answer some of those and others he does not. Something that helped me... Uh, uh, process this was uh, when I was taking my mentoring course from uh, Southland by uh, Ray Dirksen wrote this. It's a little bit of a longer quote, but it, it helped me to put things in perspective. And this is what he said. At times, God chooses to suspend his natural ways instead of the, the natural world. Instead of growing new nerves, you know, he actually grows new nerves. He actually removes all cancers. This is, this is, he's suspending the natural way the world works. At times, God chooses to suspend the, suspend the natural way in favor for non-natural ways. When God does this, it's called a miracle, right? It is a miracle precisely because it's not common. Oh, that makes sense. If God did this all the time, then it would be common. And the commonness of it would make it a law and not a miracle. Should we pray for healing? All the time. Should we pray continually? Yes, we should. It should be the normal part of the Christian's life. I, we should be praying, let's, let's start small, all right? Start small with headaches and, and back pain, and let's just pray for each other. Who knows? You might have a gift of healing. You're never going to figure that one out unless you actually try to pray for somebody. But you've you got to realize that sometimes God decides not to suspend the, the laws of nature. And I know for those of us who are older Christians, we get calloused with this, don't we? We get, oh, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, take some Advil. I, you know, I, I hope you, you do well. I'll pray that you get a good surgeon. Well, that do that. But, but don't be afraid to actually ask God for more. I was listening to Craig Groeschel, and he said he was, he was in that same position. His, his daughter got a bad case of poison ivy. He said she was just covered in it, and she had to, to go to a graduation event the next day. And the, 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 her, you know, she says, I'm praying that God's going to take it away. You know, you know what a good pastor, a good pastor father did? Well, honey, you can pray that, but sometimes God doesn't do that. You know, just you know, letting her know, right? Sometimes, but I'm going to pray. Yes, okay, but you pray, but sometimes God doesn't do that. Okay. She gets up next morning, it was all gone. And she said, thank you, God, and went off. And he went. Great, thanks for that lesson. <laughs> so we should continue to do that. However, there's a sickness to God's glory to be healed. And then there's a sickness that's just called to death. And, and guess what? There are times that we, our, our bodies are breaking down because we are in a sinful world. Guess what? We're in a sinful world. We're all, you know the death rate? It's the same for everyone. Everybody gets to die. It's, we all do. We all do. And, and right now, I don't know, I could be covered in stuff that's killing. Well, the, my age tells me I'm dying already. Almost one foot in the grave, all right? So the deal is, I know this is called the natural world. Sometimes we pray and like, 
King David prayed for his son that he had with Bathsheba. He fasted. He begged. He would not, he would not clean himself. He would just beg God. And then he let God be God. And the baby died. He goes and cleans himself and says, glory to God. I'm going to see that young child in heaven. And I'll move on now. Which is an interesting view because from God's view, this world and the next world are connected. Death is just a passageway. Death is by far not the worst thing that can happen to you. By far not the worst thing that can happen to you. In fact, in Psalm 116.15, the Lord cares deeply when his loved ones die. He cares about that. And as we pass from this world to the next, it's a real thing. I believe with all my heart. I believe with all my heart that there is light and songs and colors I haven't even seen yet and friends that have gone before and my Jesus risen again. And it's going to be awesome. It'd be really awesome. I know if I were, you know, to die today, you could go and be sad a little bit, all right? But no, I'm having a great time because this world and the next world is connected. So, from God's perspective, death is a passageway, and it, and it hurts him because it's because of sin. From our perspective, it's like, oh, they're just gone into the unknown, oh, right? <coughs> but from God's perspective, I just want to pick up on that phrase, from God's perspective. It's interesting, prayer from God's perspective, is different from our perspective a lot. God will give us peace. I have had peace that has buoyed me up over circumstances that you would not believe. Huh. He's walked lonely roads with me, held my hand, and helped me. He's given me joy that's driven me to my knees. That is nothing that, that you know, winning the lottery would do. I've had joy from the hand of God. I've had rest for my soul in moments with him that has fueled me and given my, my, my brain some, some peace. But can I tell you, it's not really about my peace, my joy. From God's perspective, it's about he and I. He's a good parent. He wants me to be happy, but he also wants me to grow. And he's got a lot more kids that he wants to bring into his family. So he will use me. In fact, he will actually allow me to go through some difficult times in order for more people to come to be a part of his family. There are some things a good, per, a good parent wants you to do that will help you grow. Okay, let, let, let's, let's think about this. Clean your room. All right, clean your room. Is that a happy thing? No! Maybe my personality is not. For some of you strange people that like that, good for you. Clean your room, all right? Might not be happy, but it's good for your character. Eat healthy food. What? Kale? Is that meant to be eaten? It's, it's good for you. In fact, there, there's a thought out in our society of moralistic therapeutic deism that says God's job is just to make me happy. But like any good parent, there are things that matter to God. 
And so it's good to ask the question, what matters to God, right? Because when we're talking to our good parent, it might be good to find out what matters to him. Let me give you just a small handful of them. Let me just give you a small handful of them. He says, leave your gift at the altar, and then, and then just, just go get some things straight with your brothers and sisters. If you need to say, I'm sorry, then, then do that. Why? Because guess what matters? Our Christian family relationships matter to God. Isn't that wild? You and I, we, we matter, that matters to God. It, say, it says in James 4, 3, but even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You only want it to give uh, uh, what will give you pleasure. Our motives matter to God. He wants us to become holy people with great motives of self-giving just like he is, of humility. That matters to God. <laughs> you can't live in a moral mess and ask God for a new car. You just can't. Proverbs 15, 29, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. Why? Because God doesn't want to give you a car? No, because your morality matters to God. It, it's, it's your holiness. That matters. To, what matters to God? I, I remember uh, being in, uh, in youth ministry and saying, uh, you know, my parents, I ask them for so many things, and they never give me anything I want. Oh, you poor child. I was just so sympathetic. Huh? And I said, here, here, you want your parents to say yes? Yes, I got a secret. This will help your parents say yes. Okay, what is it? Say, mom, dad, can I take out the garbage? They might die of a heart attack. But they'll say, sure. Why do you want to do that? I just wanted to hear you say yes. <laughs> Because that matters to mom or, or dad. So prayer is about a relationship with a good parent. So it, it's kind of interesting. For those of us who actually pray God's heart to know what matters to God and pray, we, we find this great success rate in prayer. Isn't it amazing? I remember my first prayer being, I'm at a camp, and I'm seeing God work, and kids getting saved, and, and people meet, and I saw all kinds of things. I go, God, this is like a really my first big prayer. God, you got to keep me in this atmosphere. Does that what God would want? Does that matter to God? Yes. Thank you, Dave. And so some random person at another camp sent me a letter. It took three days. I got the letter. Hey, Dave, I hear you're a counselor at a camp. Why don't you come and be a counselor at this camp, too? We need guy counselors up at this Salvation Army camp. I go, God, you answered it. Why did he answer it? Because that was God's heart for me. He wanted to keep me in that atmosphere. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? It's like, okay, okay, God, God. Who can I encourage today in your family because you love your family? Isn't that, do you think God might answer that one? Do you think God might actually put somebody on your, your heart? That one, we're munching on hamburgers. God, could you, could you well something up in me to say, hey, you know what? Thank you. You did this. It meant so much to me. Or you know what? I, I see a kindness and generosity about you. you God's working in you. Do you think God would answer that, quest, that, that request, right? Wouldn't he? Yes, because his family matters to God. So we pray God's heart. Who would you like me to encourage this morning? Because God's family matters. How much money can I give away this morning? I, <laughs> okay, when you say money, like people get freaked out, okay? It's okay. 
I know that I'm, I know this, this one guy, he said he just keeps 10, 10 bucks in the back of his wallet. He says, okay, God, you're going to help me give this one away sometime today. He's just like, <laughs> he goes through life saying, hey, I think God just tapped me on the shoulder. Here's 10 bucks. They go, what? And then he hears that person just needed that money for something very specific. And God does all these miracles through this guy. Why? Because he's a, he's a holy man. No, because he's actually praying for things that matter to God. How can I give things away and help other people? What do I need to confess to you this morning? This is why we take communion, because our hearts matter to God. He wants us to say, listen, I'm sorry. I've overstepped the lines, or I, I, I didn't really tell the truth, or I disrespected this person. Forgive me, Father, because I know everything I do is against your law, and so I, I want to get that straight to you. There's an interesting verse, Psalm 37, 4. Take delight in the Lord. Take delight in the Lord. Spend time with him. Love him. Do family time with Jesus. And he will give you your heart's desire. Why? Because your heart becomes like the heart of God. And you start asking him for things that matter to his heart. I'm going to ask our worship team to come on up. And we're going to pray God's heart. I told you every time we're going to do this, we're going to pray God's heart. Okay? Here we go. Here's the prayer I would love you to ask God. God, send me someone to encourage this morning. Okay, we're, we're going to really narrow that one down, all right? God, send me someone to encourage this morning. If you don't mean it, don't pray it. Just say, send somebody to me to encourage. No, that's bad. <laughs> Just say, God, send me to somebody to encourage them this morning. And let's see how God answers pretty cool prayers. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in this silence, we're going to pray your heart. So God, <laughs> my good Father, Send me to somebody to encourage this morning. Help me to know if it's through giving them something. Help me to know if it's words. Help me to know if it's just sitting there giving them attention and asking them questions. God, you love your family. You actually said we get together at church to encourage one another. So, Father, send me to somebody today to encourage them. In Jesus' holy name, amen.